When we interview folks for membership in the church, sometimes we ask this question, you know, do you have a personal faith? That's a perfectly good question. But maybe it would also be a good question to ask, do you hold the apostolic faith? Do you hold the same faith as the apostles? Because frankly, the apostolic faith is the only faith worth having. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and Colin... I think we need to begin with a definition because there may be some people listening who would say, yes, I have a faith, but I don't know if it's an apostolic faith. Well, it's the faith that the apostles announced and that they themselves believed. It's very interesting that in the New Testament, we have all kinds of different ways of describing the faith, the deposit, the faith once delivered to the saints. Faith isn't just what you happen to believe about Jesus. There is such a thing as the faith, and that's why we're given the New Testament scriptures, because the apostles laid it out as they received it from the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 15 takes us to the very heart of that, because you have the apostle Paul there saying, here's what is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, he's buried, he's raised from the dead. There's the core of it. That's the apostolic faith. And that's exactly what we're doing in today's message, which is called Everything You Need for Life, which comes from the second epistle of Peter. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. It's a marvellous statement that God has given to us in Christ everything that we need for life. Boy, do I believe that? Do you believe that? That for everything you are facing, God has given you what you need in Jesus Christ. That's a marvellous promise for us to take hold of today. That's what we're going to do now. So here's the message. Here's Pastor Colin. If you're thinking seriously, you've probably already done a double take at the title of this new series. I mean, everything you need for life. And don't you think it sounds a little bit ambitious, even pretentious, a bit... uh, overstated, bit of hype maybe. I'll tell you, I would not have dared to choose this title for this series if it was not exactly what Peter says at the beginning of this most amazing letter that we're going to learn from together over these next two months. Let's try and get into our minds what uh, Peter is saying in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life. That's what he says. Everything that you need for your life, for every circumstance you will face in your life, you have in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, your Savior and your Lord. Now, straight away, what Peter is saying here challenges the way that many folks think about Christianity. The natural way for us to think about our lives is to think of them in compartments. You know, there's my work, and then there is my family, and then there's my pleasure, and then, of course, there's my faith, and that's a very important part of my life, and then there are my hopes and my dreams, and you can go on filling out the compartments. And honestly, there are many folks who are quite convinced in their own minds, quite settled, that Jesus has everything we need for faith, for that little circle, but are not wholly convinced that Jesus has everything we need for life. Now, what Peter is doing here is he's painting an entirely different picture. He's saying, think of your life not as a lot of little circles, but as one big circle, and understand this, that the Lord Jesus Christ has everything not only for what you need for faith, but everything that you need for life. 
Now, if we can grasp that, then we will move our discipleship, our following of Jesus Christ, to a whole other level as we learn the message of this book over these next weeks. Now, notice Peter has a particular kind of life in mind. He talks about life and godliness. Got to put these two together. He's talking about a godly life, which is more rather than less. Uh, What does godliness mean? Godliness means simply a life that is centered on God. In Jesus Christ, you will find everything that you need for a life that flows out of a passion for God. So the life he's talking about is not an artificial one in which you try to conform to certain religious expectations and be a good person. No, we're talking about a life that is animated and energized by the presence and the power of God and everything that you need for the freedom and the joy of that kind of life you will find in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, by any standards... What we're looking at right here is one of the most amazing statements in all of the Bible. It headlines what Peter has to say to us through this letter, and it takes us to the heart of authentic Christianity. Now, I want simply to address two questions this morning. The first is the question of the audience To whom is Peter speaking? When he says that you have everything that you need for life and it comes from God's power through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to whom is he speaking? And it's an important question because some of us may be nearly at the point of switching off already and saying, yeah, 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 so much talk. And you don't really believe this. I just want to raise this question. How do you know he's talking to you anyway? Who is the audience? Who has everything they need for life? You need to know who he's talking to. And then secondly, we're going to look at what precisely is promised. Why is it that certain people have been given everything that is needed for life? And uh, so these are the two questions that are before us. I hope you have your Bible open, by the way. We really, really want to encourage, bring your Bible. If you've not got one today, use one in the pew, but bring your Bible. There are two or three pages only that are Second Peter. But let that letter in your Bible be a page that is inside you because you've got it. You've believed it. You've grasped it. Come with your Bible open and with your heart open as well. Now, first question, to whom is Peter speaking? Notice the audience is identified in verse 1. He's writing to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus have received a faith as precious as ours. So everything that he says in this letter is addressed to people who have faith, and he describes faith in a particular way. He says it's a faith that is as precious as the faith of the apostles. So Peter's writing to those who have faith. That immediately raises the question, what does it mean to have faith? What does it mean for you to be a person of faith? What is Christian faith? Because it is only to those who have the faith that he's speaking about that this promise is given that you have everything that you need for life in Jesus. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Everything You Need for Life. We've gone back and looked at the most popular requested and downloaded messages of the past year and put them together in a series we're calling Listener Favourites 2023. And you can hear those all this month on this station. 
We've also put them into a set of CDs, and it's our gift to you this month. If you don't already give to support Open the Bible, but you'd like to, with a regular monthly donation of £5 or more, we'd love to send you a copy of this CD set. For details, go to our website, openthebible.org.uk, and there you can find details of the offer, and also you can give online. Now, back to the message. Here's Pastor Colin. Well, I want to make four observations very simply from what Peter says here about faith. The first is that Christian faith is clearly faith in Jesus Christ. Notice that Peter affirms faith in Jesus Christ in three ways. First, in verse 1, he affirms that Jesus is God. He speaks about our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, verse 1. By the way, you may have heard some people say that Jesus is never referred to as God in the New Testament. If anyone ever says that to you, point them to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, who's right there. Or point them to Thomas' confession when he falls before Jesus, my Lord and my God, because Jesus is God. He is God with us. He is God in the flesh. That's the core of Christian faith. Not only is he God, but he is Savior our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Christian faith is confidence in Jesus Christ. Confidence that he is able to do what he's committed to do. The world encourages us to have confidence in ourselves. The Bible encourages us to have confidence in Jesus. And a Christian will have far more confidence in Jesus than he or she ever has in themselves. I am very sure that in however many years remain of my life, I will mess many things up many, many times. I just know that. But I am absolutely confident that Jesus Christ will not mess up the thing that has been entrusted to him, which is to save me, to save you, and on the last day to present us faultless in the presence of the Father. We have confidence in Jesus that he will not mess up on that in regard to us. He's Savior, and that's the core of Christian faith. He's God, he's Savior, and he is Lord. Notice the statement there in verse 2, the knowledge of our God and Savior, Jesus our Lord. Now again, this is core to Christian faith, because Christian faith is confidence in Jesus Christ, that he's God, that he's Savior, and that he is Lord. This is a wonderful truth, and it is the bedrock of our faith you know that you will face trials and temptations that seem too much to you. You may face circumstances of life that are beyond what you can handle, but you will never face anything in your life that is beyond what Jesus can handle because he is Lord. What that means is that he is Lord over the strongest temptations and the darkest devils. There is no power, no circumstance in life or in death or in eternity that can somehow overpower him and he is with you and he is for you if you belong to him by faith. So here's the first thing that uh, Peter is saying to us very clearly. Faith is, Christian faith is in Jesus Christ who is Savior, Lord and God and for me and with me and I have every reason to have confidence in him. Second, Christian faith is apostolic. First, it's faith in Jesus. Second, Christian faith is apostolic. Notice verse 1. 
He's writing to people who have, he says, a faith as precious as ours. Ours referring to the faith of the apostles. Peter writes as an apostle. That's how he introduces himself. This is very interesting. We often talk in evangelical circles about personal faith. That's good because faith has to be personal. Nobody else can believe for you. That's something that you have to do for yourself. But Christian faith is more than personal. Christian faith is apostolic. To be a Christian means that you share the same faith as the apostles and that you have made what the apostles believe, what you believe, and that you share in their faith also. In other words, Christian faith isn't a sort of faith that you generate yourself or make up yourself. It is a personal embracing of apostolic faith, sharing the same faith as the apostles. So when we interview folks for membership in the church, sometimes we ask this question, you know, now do you have a personal faith? That's a perfectly good question. But maybe it would also be a good question to ask, do you hold the apostolic faith? Do you hold the same faith as the apostles? Because frankly, the apostolic faith is the only faith worth having. If your faith is just something you've generated out of your own head and your own ideas, it will die with you as it was born with you. So Peter is making it very clear here that Christian faith is faith in Jesus Christ. It is the apostolic faith. It means holding to the faith as Jude puts it in his letter, that for once for all was entrusted to the saints. Here's the third thing about faith. Christian faith is both God's gift and his command. Now, notice that Peter stresses the first of these two, that faith is a gift that we receive. Verse 1 He writes to those who have received a faith as precious as ours. So Peter is saying, recognize this about true faith, authentic Christian faith. It's not something you generate yourself. It's a gift. It is something that you have received. He's saying the same thing as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember, Paul says it's by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that faith is not from yourselves. It is what? It is the gift of God. So very clearly, Peter, Paul, the New Testament, speaks about faith as a gift that we receive. But you have to put that alongside the fact that the New Testament also speaks about faith as a command that we must obey. For example, our Lord Jesus said to the disciples once, have faith in God. Now, that's a command. Have faith in God. Paul said on one occasion to a man who was quite desperate, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's a command. So we find this in the Bible. We have to hold these two things together, even though they're in some tension, or at least seem to be, that faith is spoken about in the Bible both as God's gift and also as his command. Now, that is teaching us something very important. By the way, have you ever thought about this, how strange it is for a preacher to say to someone who doesn't believe, you know, as is often said, rightly in a sermon, you say to an unbeliever, I say to an unbeliever, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, wait a minute. If a guy in the congregation is an unbeliever, 
That means he doesn't believe. And if he doesn't believe, he hasn't got any faith to put in the Lord Jesus Christ. So why is this guy standing on the platform telling someone who's an unbeliever to put his faith, which he doesn't have, in Jesus Christ? It makes no sense. You say, well, follow that line. How does anyone get saved? Well, remember, the disciples asked that question on one occasion. And you remember we saw in Mark's gospel, Jesus' answer. And the disciples came to that point and said, well, how does anyone get saved then? Jesus said this, with man it is impossible, but all things are possible with God. In other words, Jesus is making clear at this point that that faith is not something that lies latent within us, that suddenly we waken up and say, oh, I'm going to exercise my faith now. I've always had it, of course, and it's just been lying there asleep. No, Jesus is saying that that doesn't work. That's not possible. You don't have that. You depend upon God creating within you something that you do not have. You depend upon receiving a gift that you then are able to exercise. That salvation is from the Lord. Thank God for this, that God is able to create faith where it doesn't exist. He created the worlds out of nothing. And he's able to create faith out of nothing. He's able to create it where it does not exist, even within you. You come to church here, and you have absolutely no confidence that Jesus is able to give you everything that you have for life. You say, how am I going to come to believe that? Well, if it's just up to you, it's impossible. But all things are possible with God. Now, I'm pausing on this because it may be just the thing that opens the door of hope for some person today. Let me tell you a story about a very famous Christian, Christian leader by the name of Augustine. Augustine was brought up in a godly home, but when he was a teenager, he rebelled against everything he had ever been taught, left home and threw himself into the most immoral of lives had many mistresses, and found that he developed a pattern of life that sucked him in to a point where he felt he could not change. And his story is very powerful because I speak to folks quite often who will say, Colin, pastor, I just can't change. And there are folks who come to to church every Sunday and you hear the preaching, but what's really going on in your heart is to say, it doesn't touch me. I, I, you don't understand. I can't change. I, I don't have this capacity, whatever it is that you seem to be talking about. Well, you're in exactly the position that Augustine was where he found himself bound in patterns of behavior that even when he wanted to change them, he found he could not change. And it was out of that experience and then from coming to the Bible that Augustine formed a prayer that has become very famous and it is a very helpful and insightful prayer. He prayed this to God. He said, Lord, command what you will, only give what you command. Say that with me, will you? Command what you will, Only give what you command. You see what he's saying? Lord, you're absolutely free to tell me to do anything that you want to tell me to do. But please recognize this. I can't do it. 
So if you really want me to do something different from what I'm doing, you're going to have to do something in me to make me what I'm not, to change me in some way. You're going to have to give what you command because I don't have what you command. You, you can call me to a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's what you want me to have, will you do something within me to make me different from what I am and to give me what at this point I do not have? Now, you see, this opens the door of hope. If you are not yet a Christian today, I want to encourage you to come to God today in exactly the same way as Augustine did. You can come to God today and you can say, look, you command me to have faith. I don't have it. So will you give what you command? Make me what I am not. Put into me what I do not at this moment possess. See, that is what becoming Christian is. It's not a sort of self-improvement program. It is a regeneration. It is a recreation. It is something that God does within you. And Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Don't let your own sense of not having what it takes keep you from God. That's the very reason to come to God. In fact, that's the only way to come to God. We sing it in one of our hymns. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. That's how you come to God. That's why you can come. However bad the circumstances of your life, you come in the same way as Augustine came. Because with man it's impossible, but all things are possible with God. And I promise you, That if you will come to God like that today, it will change your life. Because at last, you're admitting the truth, which is that you cannot change yourself. You cannot save yourself. You're casting yourself on him. You are agreeing with Jesus that your salvation is not possible except for God. And you know, there's a very strange irony about this. And folks who like to think you can just turn this round and round and round in your minds. But here's the irony. The first step of faith is to admit that you do not have faith and to ask God to give you what you do not have. That's how you come to it. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the first half of the message, Everything You Need for Life. And if you ever miss any of our messages, you can always catch up or go back and listen again by going to our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Also on the Open the Bible website, you'll find Open the Bible Daily. These are a series of short two to three minute reflections written by Pastor Colin and read by Sue McLeish. There's a new one on the website every day. And now you can also find Open the Bible Daily on your favorite podcast site. Just search for Open the Bible. You can find Open the Bible on all the major social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. If you use any of these sites, we'd love it if you would follow us. We're easy to find. Our username is the same on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It's at UK Open the Bible. On YouTube, it's at Open the Bible UK. You can also find us using the search on any of the sites... UK Open the Bible. 
Or you can always simply go to the Open the Bible website, that's openthebible.org.uk, go to the bottom of the homepage and click on your preferred social media symbol. Once you've found us on social media, please follow us or subscribe to our channel. And when you see one of our postings, please like it. Or better still, retweet or resend it with your thoughts and comments. That way we get seen by all your followers and they have the opportunity to follow us too. Let's grow the Open the Bible community. For Pastor Colin Smith and for Open the Bible, I'm David Pick and I very much hope you'll join us again next time. One thing the Bible promises is that believers will participate in the divine nature. What does that mean? Find out next time on Open the Bible.